Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join pastors Michael and Heather Jarreau and their passion to help you live out your best life. We hope you enjoyed today's encouraging and uplifting message. Come on, let's celebrate. 2019 was a great year. 2020 is going to be even better, right? A church full of vision, and uh, we're excited for what God has. Why don't you help me right now as we say goodbye to Citizen Kids. We've got some great things planned for them. We're going to jump in. And uh, how many got excited just seeing the report of what God did in 2019? It's amazing. It's humbling. It's, it's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing uh, all across the world. And to think that we get to have a hand in it is amazing. And uh, so, uh, again, Fairfax Campus, welcome. We're glad that you're with us. We're going to jump in together right now. If you have a Bible, open with me uh, to Ezekiel chapter 37. And if you want to join me also on the church app, the Citizen Heights church app, um, we've got notes in there as well for you that you can follow along as we continue a conversation that we began last week on Vision Day. How many know vision isn't a day? It's a, it's a life that you live full of God's vision um, and we want to live full with that vision. And what we declared last week, I declare again to you today, it's not just a series and it's not just a sound bite. I believe it's a prophetic anthem for your life, for our church, for this community, for this moment. There was a sound. I want to talk to you about this, this idea there was a sound because we see this phrase in the Bible as you find your way to Ezekiel 37. Uh, we see this phrase in the Bible repeated in key moments where God is about to do the miraculous. You see these moments where it's a desperate situation or there's, 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 they're facing impossible odds. But then there was a sound announcing that the tide was about to turn, that God was about to show up and, and turn everything on its head. And so our text today is Ezekiel 37. Anybody grow up in church? So, so if you grew up in church, you might have heard the song, uh, Dem bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Some of us know it and have the scars to prove it. Uh, that's, that's the text we're reading today. It's, it's uh, entitled The Vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. If you, it, in my Bible, it says it's the vision of the valley of dry bones. We're looking for vision, right? And sometimes you find vision in places you didn't expect it, places that you didn't imagine it would find you. And uh, the vision of the valley of dry bones, and if you, you like titles for messages, today we're talking about Awake, Arise, and Assemble. Are you ready to read our, our passage here? Let's set our context once again. Both campuses, you can see it on the big screen. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I, and I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones, verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, can we say it together? There was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Verse 9, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. 
So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived, and they stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. Awake, arise, assemble. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we're in your house, and in your house, anything is possible. In your house, Father, our past are wiped away, our future and the purposes that you have for us are revealed. Uh, God, we thank you that we're going to walk out of this place filled with vision. God, vision for where we're at now, even if it's in a valley, vision for where you're going to bring us to next, vision at a personal level, vision for our business, vision for our marriages, vision for our relationships, vision for your house and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody watch the D.C. Defenders yesterday? We have another football t- team in town, and, and they are undefeated. In the history of their team, they are undefeated, uh, beating the Seattle Dragons? Sea Dragons? It's Sea Dragons. Oh, it's just Dragons? All right. Because the devil is a dragon in Revelation, and not, not saying anything about Seattle. Okay, do we have Ezekiel 37? Last week we read this passage, and I asked the question. I asked the question, is it possible... Uh, that the anointing can take you into the wilderness? Is it possible that the hand of God who brings you so high to the mountaintop would bring you so low to the valley? And, and could it be the, that God can take you by his, his will into a dry place? We asked that question last week, and we, and we see here the answer in verse 1. Ezekiel is brought to the dry place the valley of bones, not just bones, bones, death, bones, you'd think bones is enough, but not just bones, but dry bones, death that's been there a while. There's no reversing the fortune, and not just bones, and not just dry bones, but very dry bones. See, the Bible goes to great lengths to convince us and to show us the picture here is one of utter uh, uh, resignation, one of utter death and, and, and dryness and that valley place where it's not just like the business is on its last heaves, the business is dead and gone. It's not like just the marriage is struggling a little bit. It's not just, it's not just bones, it's dry bones in a valley. And we looked at that and we, we, we asked the question, when God, when God who takes you so high brings you to a situation that, that is so low, it's natural to ask the question, is, is God still with me? Right? It's natural to ask that when you're in the valley of, of dry purpose or in the valley of dry mental health or in the valley of, of dry marriage or in the valley of dry finances or the valley of dry seasons, and I don't even know why, I just feel dry. When you get in those moments, you ask yourself, is, is God still in this? Because I, I feel like I've lost my vision. I feel like in the midst of it, I'm in an unexplained season. I don't know why I'm in this season. We're talking about real valleys, right? We're talking about real places you get to in life and you don't anticipate and expect. And, and, and what you notice in verse uh, 2 is it says, the Bible says that God walked Ezekiel to and fro. I'm just giving you a, a quick recap from last week. But it says that God walked him to and fro, in and out, among the bones. 
Like it wasn't enough just to get a panorama from the edge of the valley. It wasn't enough just to to drop in for a moment and observe the carnage in the aftermath. But he, it says that God begins to lead him in the King James to and fro, in and out among the bones. And we started talking to some people last week where, where you're going through things. And, and if you're to be honest, things are not getting better. Things just aren't getting better. You're going in and out of these dry bones. Anybody here walking through a few things that it's not getting better? Why, why are these bones still here? And you think, where is God in the midst of all that? Where is God in the midst? You know, I've been walking through these dry bones. They're not improving. They haven't gotten any better. You know, I fasted for during the 21 days of possible. Didn't get any better. I, I worship Jesus. It doesn't feel like it's getting any better. I'm, I'm trying to read through the Bible in 2020. It doesn't feel like it's getting any better. I sprinkled myself with anointing oil. It doesn't feel like it's getting any better. I laid hands on myself. It's not getting any better. I shout and I dance during worship, and it doesn't feel like it's getting any better. And after a while of to and fro, in and out, among the bones, you begin to make peace with your bones. You learn how to live with your bones. We accept it. We acquiesce to the death of that thing. We surrender the hope that it would ever live again, and we learn how to live with our bones. Last week, we, we talked about some of the coping mechanisms we come up with to try to live with our bones, to, to just accept it. You know, we, we have these coping mechanisms where we, we actually create a mental pathology of how we think, or, or we accept strange theology to, just to be able to accommodate our bones. We come up with faulty conclusions about who God says we are and what God says he wants to do because we have to accommodate these bones. Some self-medicate to accommodate their bones. Some are, are finding coping mechanisms to accommodate our bones. And after a while, it, it just becomes natural and normal to accept the bones, to live among the bones. But last week, as we heard, there's, there's a sound in the valley. There's a sound. And before you get to the other sounds that we're going to get to today, there was a sound of God's voice with Ezekiel. There was, a, there was a question asked, can these bones live again? Verse 3. He says, can these bones live, <clears throat> live again? Vision in the valley. There's, there's vision in the valley because there's a voice in the valley. He hasn't left you. There's still a sound in the valley. So I won't leave you or forsake you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm the God who started this thing. I'll be the God who gets you through this thing to the other side. So just because the, the, the appearance is death and the valley is low and the to and fro gets old, there's a God who's still with you and still speaking to you, even if you don't like the questions he's asking, can these bones live again? There's a voice in the valley. See, that's, that's the voice. That's that sound where you go, oh, God's about to do the miraculous. God's, God's up to something. He's prompting me. So today we consider three observations. Are you ready to track with this? Just three observations uh, from the rest of our text. We'll, we'll try to conclude it today. But this is really Ezekiel's response to that question. Can these bones live again? And in verse 3, in the, in the first observation is this. What happens next in my valley it's in God's hands, but somehow I'm a part of staging this next miracle. 
It's in God's hands, but somehow I still have a role to play in the valley for staging what God wants to do next. So that means I can't give up in the valley. That means I have to keep going in the valley. And, and look what Ezekiel says in verse 3. He's asked the question, can these bones live? And his, re- his response is, I, I, don't, I don't know if they can live or not. I, I don't know if I want to try or not. I don't know if I, I want to fight or not. Because I've made peace with my bones. You know, and, and I've made peace with my bones, and now you want to do something with my bones. How is it that timing? I mean, uh, he must have thought of Sarah, uh, Abraham's wife in the Old Testament, who, who wanted a child and wanted a child and wanted a child and wanted a child. And finally she just resolved, I guess that's not God's plan for me. No child. And the minute she resolves it, there's a knock at Abraham's door. Guess what? Your wife's going to have a child. And she says, now, after I've made peace with it, and I'm aged, and I'm, I'm not ready for this, and I've accepted the dry bones, and I've accepted it's not going to happen for me, that's when you come along? Come on, doesn't it, sometimes doesn't it seem like God doesn't have a watch or any time-telling device? Come on, he has no sense of time, no sense of urgency, no sense of deadlines and due dates. You know, because when you want God to move, you're like, where is it? And the second you say, well, fine, if you're not going to move, and he goes, hello, do you think this can live? Can these bones live? And his response, see, there's a, there's a dialogue going. See, if, as long as there's a conversation in the, in the depression of the valley, you're going to be okay. As long as you keep the conversation, it's not a conversation uh, with the enemy, it's a conversation with God. As, as long as there's a dialogue in the midst of your disappointment, you can get to the other side. As long as you continue and keep going. He says, Lord, I, I could give you the silent treatment, but all I'm going to say is, you, you know. Only you know, God, if these bones can live again. Then God gives Ezekiel and you and I a key. Our second observation today is whether these bones live in this valley has a lot to do about with it has a lot to do with what I say. What I say. See, Ezekiel says, God, only you know. And God says, Well, wait, wait a minute. This isn't about what I know, because I know everything. Your valley is not determined by my omniscience. I know everything. Your, your next move in the valley has everything to do with your pronouncement, what you say in your valley. Now, look, look at this, because it says, he says to him in verse 4, this is what he says to Ezekiel, prophesy to your bones. Prophesy over these bones. Prophesy. Speak to these bones. Come on, Ezekiel, speak to the bones. Well, can you imagine being Ezekiel? You want me to speak to these bones, the ones that we went to and fro, the ones in the valley, the ones that are not just dead because bones, there's no, no flesh on these bones, but they're dry. And they're not just dry, they're very dry. And, and you've let me see them from every angle and every possible vantage point. I have observed that these are dead, dry bones. And now you want me to speak to these bones? Yeah. I, I'm not on speaking terms with my bones right now, if that's okay with you. Like we cohabitate in the valley, but we don't communicate. 
Me and the bones are not on speaking terms. God says, your bones won't get better unless you speak to them. Your bones won't rise again if you don't speak to them. But I don't want to speak to bones. I don't want to do it. I don't want to speak to bones. Because bones don't speak back. I don't want to talk to bones because bones don't talk back. What do we got around here? What, you, you got... How you doing? How you doing, Mr. Bass Guitar? What citizen group are you going to join today? Okay, you want to go out to eat afterward? Speaking to something that doesn't speak back. Talking to something that doesn't talk back. It takes faith to do that. You want to you want me to talk to something that isn't saying anything back. Yeah, that's what I want. You want me to love something that's not loving me back. Yeah, that's, that's what I'd like. You want me to care for something that's not caring back? You want me to give to something that's not giving back? That's not fair. You want me to talk to these bones. God says, speak to your bones. Prophesy and speak. Because if you're going to be like me, God says, Ezekiel, let's just get, if you're going to be like me, you have to be willing to give to something that can't give something back to you. You have to be willing to serve something that can't serve you back. You have to be willing to care for something that doesn't care for you back. And you look at it and say, God, they're not just, they're not just dry, they're very dry. They don't talk much. Listen, keep saying what God said to say in the valley. Keep saying what God said to say in the valley. I don't, it doesn't matter if it defies how I feel. It doesn't matter if it defies what I see. It doesn't matter if it defies what I think. I'm going to keep saying what God said to say in the valley. Come on, it's hard to talk to someone that won't talk back. You want me to talk to that daughter who dishonored me? And that is a, I'm estranged from? You want me to talk to my addiction? You want me to talk to my condition? You want me to talk to that dead marriage? You want me, I, 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 that, that place? Come on, some of us are in, in that valley. See, that's the marriage that I gave up on. Matter of fact, my only way of surviving was my silence, and now you want me to talk again? God says, it takes faith to talk to something that isn't talking back. Takes faith to give to something that's not giving back. Takes faith to serve something that's not serving you back. It's easy to serve something that's serving you. Isn't it? Come on, is it, it's, easy to, it's easier to serve something that's serving you. Right? Because that reciprocity and that quid pro quo, that's what makes relationships ring. It's like, oh, I'm getting something back. This is exciting. You know, I'm going to give to that thing that's given me. But what do you do when it's not talking back? It's not fair. It's not fair. Can we agree? <laughs> we're, the, we're, we're so poor at talking about fairness. Like we're just like the last arbiters of fairness in every court of, of life that we come to, right? We, we know fairness. Never mind that it wasn't fair that Jesus touched me. 
Never mind that, it, that Jesus lifted me. Never mind that when I was broken and I was, I was unlovely and I was, had mistakes and, and, and backstory, that Jesus in all his holiness still touched me and started a conversation with me. Never mind that. Wasn't fair. We evoke fairness only when it's a weapon, I feel like. That's, many times that's when fairness comes up. It's like, oh, I get to use this. No, no, no. God's mercy for me. God's grace for me. His holiness reached out and initiated to each one of us while we were sinners. He initiated. And, and Jesus could say that's not fair. But, see, he's teaching Ezekiel something. Isn't that good? He's teaching him. Keep saying what I said to say in the valley because you have a hand to play. And the only way that this thing will live is if you speak to it. The only way it's going to live, of course, that's why the devil has your tongue. Why do you think you're, you're, you, you want to be silent? Because he knows Proverbs 18.21. And he can quote it even if you can't. That the power of life and death is in the tongue. So what you say in the valley matters. So you didn't speak to it, and when and the the rare times you did speak to it, all you spoke was death. So we speak death and we're waiting for God to make it alive. We're speaking death and waiting, well, I guess dry bones. God, you're just gonna take me on another tour today? It depends. What are you gonna say today? Faith is a unique dialect, and it's the vernacular of vision. If, if vision had a language, it's faith. It, it, it's, it's how faith is, is transacted. So, so faith is like the, the diction and the pronunciation and the discourse that happens when we engage God's vision for our life. In the valley, it'll be quiet for a while, and you'll, you'll see some scary things, but there's a conversation in the valley that is drawing something up out of you and correcting your language. It's correcting your pronunciation of this vernacular of vision. It's faith. I've got, I've got my, my youngest son, four boys. My youngest is 10 years old. And uh, Easton does this great service to me uh, from time to time where he'll, he'll come up and stand behind me while I'm sitting in my favorite chair. I've become that guy with a favorite chair. And I sit in my favorite chair, and he, he'll come up behind me, and he'll look at the back of my head, and then he'll, he'll, he'll make noises. Like, oh, wow. wow. Dad, have you seen this? Dad, this is getting kind of thin. Dad, do you want me to take, and so he'll come around, he'll reach around and get my phone, and I'm trying to ignore it because there once was a great civilization of hair that lived here, but it, it's dissipating from time to time. You, you get these glimpses, and you realize it's dissipating, and he'll take my phone, and a few minutes later, he'll hand it back, and he'll start leafing through the photos, and I realize he was back there taking photos of my thinning hair. Which is, I've, they're scary photos. Like, scalp photos are never, like, feel-good photos. But it's, and I, I looked at him, I said, listen, you're not helping me right now. And I, I explained to him, uh, you know, we had a talk. 
how can, how, can, how can God make this live if you keep talking death to it? How can, how can God let this rise up again when you, you say the stuff you say? And so we started changing his language. And so I would come up to him and I said, have you seen my hair? How's it look today? And, and I fed him a couple of lines. And so um, one of the lines that he'll repeat back to me is, uh, your hair is so thick and luscious. And I say, yes, it is. Thank you very much for noticing my thick and luscious hair. But he quickly, quickly goes back to his old language. Much too quickly. Come on, God is teaching us a new language. He's teaching us. And you can't talk death and get life. Speak to those bones. See, those bones aren't going to live just because you know Jesus. Those bones aren't going to live just because you, you can quote a verse or two. Those bones won't live just because you sign up for a citizen group, although you should do all those things. Those bones aren't going to live because you're anointed. Those bones are going to live because you start a conversation with them, and God is feeding you the lines. And you're simply saying, I don't know, but I'm going to have a conversation, and I'm going to speak life. Final observation, number three. Whether these bones live in this valley has everything to do with not only what I say, but if I obey. I want to show you one thing, and then we, we'll close, and we'll, we'll do heart for the house, and we'll get you down to citizen group Sunday. But you got to see this. Number three, if I obey. If there's a missing ingredient in, in, in the world at large, it's obedience. If there's a missing ingredient, it's obedience. Because we know more than we've ever known. We comprehend more than we've ever comprehended. Uh, Mark Twain said, I'm going to get this quote wrong, but he said, the, the verses in the Bible I do not understand do not concern me. It's the ones I do understand, yet leave unfulfilled. Listen, we understand and we know more than ever, but do we obey? Verse 7, I want to show you, Ezekiel does something in verse 7, so refreshing, it's going to help you, it's going to help us. He, he doesn't say he believes the bones will live again. He doesn't say that. He doesn't, he says, listen, I don't know if this is going to get better or not. I don't know if these bones are going to live or not. I, I don't have the, the strength to even fight for it anymore. He says, but, I, but I'll tell you what I do know. I know enough to be obedient to prophesy as I was commanded. Verse 7, he says, I, I prophesied as I commanded, as I was commanded. God said, do it, and I did it. Is this a novel thought? Obedience at all costs. Obey at all costs. God said to go ahead and give that thing. So it, why am I processing it? Why am I filtering it? Why am I debating it? I'm just going to obey. God said this no more. And you said, well, that's all I need to know. Now I'm going to obey. He says, I'm obedient enough to prophesy as I was commanded. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? He said, I, I didn't say what I felt. I, I didn't say what I saw. I didn't say it because I meant it. I didn't say it because I had a conviction about it. I said it because God said, say it. So I prophesied, and there was a sound, and the bones began to rattle and come together, and, and, and flesh and ligament and muscle, and that which was dead starts to rise up again. And, and then he says that there they were, but there was no breath. And then he said, prophesy to the four winds for the breath of God to revive this thing. And he prophesied, obey God no matter what. 
And the moment I obeyed his word, there was a noise. There was a sound. Obedience. Obedience. Remember 1 Samuel 15, Old Testament verse, but man, so it says obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better than that. It's better than, it's better than an offering. Obey. Come on. We're going to keep obeying God no matter what. Come on, keep obeying God no matter what. Nothing's going to change until you obey God. Can I be so, so bold? Nothing's going to change until you do it. You can whine some more. Come on, you can bellyache. Come on. You can, you can complain a little bit more, but nothing's going to change until we say what he says to say and we obey him in that moment. Come on, there was a sound. Just obey God. Touch your neighbor. Tell him, oh, it's time to obey God. Touch your other neighbor. Say, I can hear a sound in your valley. Come on, there's a shaking of bones. There's a rattling in the valley. Come on, there's an awakening and a rising and assembling. And it says they assembled into this great army in the valley. Come on, this isn't time to quit. This isn't time to give up. This isn't time to to give in. This isn't time to die. This isn't time to surrender. This is time to keep going in God. See, the thing I learned to live with, God's shaking it up. The thing I made false peace with, God is shaking it up. Come on, the thing that I was scared to even believe for anymore, God is shaking it up. There's a sound each of us full of vision. Can I pray for you? Let me pray right now, and then we'll, we'll switch gears. Every eye closed all over the room. Matter of fact, I'm going to do this very quickly, and you're going to cooperate, hopefully, with every eye closed, no moving around. We're talking about vision today, and you need to respond to this message. You know that there's things that you're changing your vernacular, and you've got a hand to play to stage this miracle in your valley. And so you're, you're going to begin to change your vernacular and your language, and you're going to begin to obey what God says to do. And there's something in your heart that says, this is what I need. But it's not just a decision. You need grace, and you need the Holy Spirit to walk out of this valley. With every eye closed, if that's for you, just lift your hand. You say, I need to walk out of this valley. Father, we thank you for all these hands and, and Father, all these lives. God, we're going to walk out of valleys in 2020, ones that have been not getting any better. But this is going to change, Father, as we begin to say what you said, tell us to say, and obey what you've told us to do. God, we thank you. We're going to stage a miracle move in Jesus' name. With every eye closed, you can put your hands down. And and very quickly, you're here today. And and the first vision you need, we're talking about getting full of vision. But if the truth was told today, you would say, I don't don't have vision of a God who loves me. A God who forgives me. Matter of fact, my vision of God is religion, and it's kind of, it's kind of cold, and it's. I feel like, like it's a to-do list. I feel like somehow I missed out on this. God loves me, and God has a plan for me, and God accepts me. You need to get a vision of not the God of religion, but the God of the Bible. Get a vision of who He is. And the Bible says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that the, He surrendered His very life." to the death of a cross, put to death by Roman soldiers, historical fact, and on the third day, rose again. Historical fact. Eyewitness testimony offered. It takes no faith to believe that Jesus died. It takes no, belief, uh, no faith to believe that Jesus was a real historical character. It takes no faith to believe that he rose again from the dead when you start to track the eyewitness accounts. What it does take faith is to rest 
from all of the striving and anxiety of trying to earn God's approval and simply receive what Jesus has done once and for all on the cross. It's a gift of God that we just take hold of. I'm going to count to three, and when I hit three, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand, and by lifting your hand, you're saying, Jesus, I need you in my life, and you're going to get a vision of a God who has a plan and a purpose for you, who's not mad at you. He's just madly in love with you, and that he comes today to meet you. Are you ready? One, don't wait. Today is your day. Come on, hands are already going up. Two, I'm not going to trick you into standing up or calling attention to you, but already hands going up. I already, one, two, three, hands in the air. Say, yeah, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Might be the first time you've prayed this prayer, or it might be a recommitment moment because you know you're not where you want to be, and you don't know how you got to where you are. If that's for you, just lift your hand over at our Fairfax campus right here in Tenleytown. Maybe you're listening online. I need Jesus. Praise God. You can put your hand down. I'm going to lead us in one general prayer. Nice and loud, everybody in the room. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. I don't have all the answers, but I know that you love me. You forgive me. You have a plan for me. You have vision for my life. So I surrender all I am, everything I used to be, everything you have for me. Now say this boldly, I am a Christian. By grace I've been saved. In Jesus' name. It's not by my works. It's the gift of God. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we rejoice with those who just prayed that prayer?